So we're currently teaching, and our focus is on the fact that God speaks to people. He still speaks. He spoke in the Old Testament, he spoke in the New Testament, and we, the New Testament church, is still able to hear his voice. Does anybody believe that? And there's lots of sources to, and lots of spaces where God continues to speak to us. Obviously, the number one place where God speaks to us is the Bible. Said it before, let me repeat, it's the only book on the planet where the author, every time you open it, the author promises to turn up. So why don't you every time you say, thank you, Lord, you're here. Holy Spirit, guide me. Help me understand. Help me see more than words. Help me see your way for us. Like one of my friends is recently teaching on the book of Revelation. And uh, he actually, you know, which is all about prophecy. He said, so many Christians today won't do anything without a prophecy. He said, I today have a prophecy. The Lord would say to you, I've written a book. Read it. (laughs) Hear it. And live it. So today we're going to open it and I'm going to ask you to come with me into the Old Testament, into the book of 1 Kings. 1 Kings. We're ultimately going to land in 1 Kings 19. It's about a man by the name of Elijah. He was a prophet. We're going to look at him and God speaking to him. But before we do, I want to set the scene in chapter 18. Because here we see a showdown between this prophet Elijah and 450 prophets of Baal. Baal, the the word simply means owner. It's a spirit that declares, I have ownership over you. I control you. And worship to Baal was literally gross and highly immoral. And there was a showdown between Elijah and 450 of the prophets but you notice if we look at the, the setting as we come to the, the main focus in chapter 19, in, in chapter 18, verse 22, you, you realize that Elijah's setting himself up for pain. It's evident in his claim in chapter 18, verse 22. This is what he says. Elijah said to him, said to them, I am already. This is a victim warning. I am the only one. Can I, just, can I just, if you take a note, just make a note yourself, never say that. I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left, but Baal has 450 prophets. And the narrative unfolds and you'll find Elijah doing lots of things. He built an altar by himself. He went and grabbed 12 stones and dug a trench by himself. He cut up the bull for the sacrifice by himself. He taunted the prophets of Baal when their God didn't respond. He said, come on, come on, you guys, see how what you can do to awaken him. And he did all of that by himself. He called down fire by himself. He destroyed 450 prophets of Baal by himself. He prophesied the drought breaking rain to fall by himself. And then to finish it all off, he runs ahead of the king's chariot. You imagine the adrenaline rush. Must have been exhausting. Fitting all that in and doing all that by himself. Now you young mums are looking at me and say, so what? What did he do after lunch? But he's worn out. And in an exhausted state, we come now to chapter 19. And we read how his life is threatened. Verse 1, Ahab told Jezebel, Ahab is a weasel and a wimp. 
Three W's. WWW. Weasel, Wimp, and Wicked. Now, Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he'd killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a message, messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid, and he ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. Just, just note for a second, he was afraid and alone. Not a great place to be in. While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and he came to a broom brush, he sat down under it and he prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. So Elijah now, he's destroyed the 450 prophets of Baal. He's got uh, a, a, another foe that's got to be reckoned with, the wicked king Ahab and Jezebel. By the way, can, can we just be a group of people that just because a woman's strong, she's not got a Jezebel spirit? You know, when you go to Bible college, they say, be careful about the gold, the glory, and the girls. I just tell guys, marry a strong, rich woman. Jezebel represents a spirit, not a person. All right? And that spirit is out to intimidate. The Jezebel spirit is active in the earth today. It's out to intimidate believers, cause them to be afraid, cause them to, be, to, to hide. You have no idea how many of my peers are afraid of being cancelled. If we dare to speak the truth. The spirit of the age, the spirit of Jezebel, causes you to hide and shrink back and shut up. The spirit of Jezebel wants you to quit. Jezebel has, has Elijah now convinced that he, everything he's doing is futile. He throws his hands up and he says, I'm no better than my ancestors. And then it gets quite dramatic. He wants to die. The experts would say of this man, he's had a burnout in ministry. He's burned out. Some of you have walked with me over the last many years that Lynn and I have been leading this, this church, and some of you remember about five years ago, I found myself very close to that zone, worn out. It's not a fun place to be, I can tell you. And I never got to where Elijah's at, but I, I do know that when your soul and your spirit feel crushed, it's a difficult place. Through that season... I discovered something about life, service, relationships. This is what I discovered about what some people would say is burnout. I actually don't think burnout's got a lot to do with what you're doing. People don't get burnt out from hard work. Burnout's more to do with what you're not doing. You're not looking after your soul. You're not putting some boundaries in. You're not including people in your journey. You've shrunk back. You, you're not responding in faith to that spirit of fear. Elijah just did not include other people in his endeavors. We've already read in chapter 22, he's, he's already told the people of Israel, I'm the only one serving God. Woe is me. But he takes it to the next level in chapter 19. You read in verse 10, he not only told people, he's now telling God. 
Verse 10, he says to God, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. Here it is again. I am the only one left. Now they're trying to kill me too. Can I tell you something? Loneliness that leads to isolation is very dangerous. I need to repeat that. Loneliness that leads to isolation is very dangerous. Because you know what happens? You lose perspective. You lose perspective. You, 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 you're not seeing things right. That, in, in reality, God says to him, verse 18 of chapter 19, God brings him back to reality. He says, Elijah, listen, I have reserved 7,000 in Israel whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, whose mouths have not kissed him. Hey, 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 you, you, you're shrinking back, you're all alone, you've isolated yourself from people and you've lost a grip on reality. You are not alone. Hey, I'm here today to tell you you're not alone. If you're online today, I trust you are not alone. If you can be in community, get into community. Hey, the first thing that God saw in the whole of creation that wasn't good was somebody on their own. We can go through moments of loneliness, but let me tell you something. Isolation's a choice. Elijah had lost the reality that there was a lot of people out there still loving God the way he did. Going to go a little deeper with this just for a moment? You be very, very careful when you convince yourself that you're the only one because that may well be driven by pride. I watch staff. I watch peers. I'm the only one. Oh, didums. Stop it. It's either pride or victimhood. And neither of them are God-honoring. Come on, somebody say amen. And neither of them will take you to a good place emotionally. I'm the only one. Martha tried that on Jesus and that didn't go well. She said, Mary's actually chosen something better than you, you victim. Pull your head in. Elijah tried that on God, didn't work. Listen, friends, as your pastor, I need to tell you very strongly, we need community. We need community. We need to get into, into auditoriums. COVID is over. Newsflash. COVID is over. Lynn and I were talking yesterday about somebody who, who actively was in part of a church for decades and since COVID has not returned to church, probably goes to a picture theatre, maybe in public events, but apparently it's worse in the room here. Come on, people. COVID is over. You need to... to Acts 2 tells me the pattern. They met in the house, the temple, and they met in house to house. Hey, let me tell you, you want to raise healthy kids? Get them into the church. Get them into a life group. Get them into kids ministry. Get them into young adult ministry. Don't prioritize other things. Seek first the kingdom and the other things will be added. Hey, you, you show them that a fun run and fates and everything else, sport, is more important than church. And give us a call when they're 16 and tell us how well that's going. I'm serious about this. I have a friend, a pastor, and one of the leaders in our nation. He was talking to a group of pastors, and he says, it is amazing how many people these days say, well, you know what? We, we've kind of, since COVID, we've really had to think about our priorities. We, we love God, but we're, 
We're really having conversations about where church attendance fits in our journey of faith. He says, well, what do you do? Well, we get together for a meal and we share about what God's doing and we pray together. He said, that's not church, that's breakfast. Come on. Life groups. Don't tell me you're too busy. It's important. I don't know everybody in this room, but I know the names of everybody in my life group. They know me. They know the challenges that we're going through, the the issues we're going through, and we pray together and we keep in touch. Let me tell you something. Crowds are important. Groups like this, moments like this are important. And thank God some of you are on holidays and still tuning in. Good on you. But let me tell you something. If you've chosen to sit at home and watch church online in your pyjamas instead of being in the house when you could be in the house, it's time to change that. And you may have turned me off right now, but let me tell you, the Holy Spirit's after you. (laughs) Goodbye. Come on. Get it. And and, and while I'm at it, don't just come in the room when when you're on a roster to do something. Get in the room to worship Jesus. Get in the room to get under the preaching of the Word of God. It is t- there is a move of God that's happening at Hope Center. And we're choosing when we'll get together. No, I was glad when they said, let's go to the house of God. Let's be that kind of people. Come on. We need friends. Friends who'll tell us the truth. You imagine... I wasn't intending to go this deep, but the Holy Spirit's on this, so we're going to go there for a moment. This is more than an event. This is care. I've cared for you in this church for 23 years. And the people that choose, ah, oh, yeah, we'll get to, if there's nothing else important on a Sunday, we might go. Doesn't matter whether we get there early, doesn't matter. Well, church starts at 8.45 now on a Sunday morning. Come on. Let's value these things. Get in the house of God. You, you imagine, you imagine the, the conversation going on right now. Well, I love Jesus. I've just, you know, I've got problems with his church. Could you imagine people coming to me saying, you know, I love you, Wayne. I just have problems with your bride. That's what we're saying to him. Let's, let's see a shift. Part of the visitation is God wants to visit when we gather in moments like this. No one's left, so I'm going to keep going. (laughs) Come with me to chapter 19, verse 5 and 6. This is what Elijah does. Remember, he's isolated. I am preaching against isolation today. It's it's driven by independence. No, 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 no. We, We need interdependence in the church of Jesus Christ. Elijah lays down under a bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around. (laughs) I love this. And there by his head was some bread baked over coals. How many just right now thinking of hot bread? Some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate, he drank, and then he lay down again. Isn't God kind? He sends an angel to minister to his weary prophet. And what does the angel bring him? Hot bread, a drink, and gives him a little nap. Can I tell you something? Sometimes that's all we need. 
sandwich, a cuppa, and a little snooze. Doesn't life make a lot more sense after those moments? We all get all wound up and like, you know, uh, even Lynn said to me, on, I don't know, one day later this week, there's a whole lot going on. She, I, I think you just, just should have a little nap. <laughs> I was a far nicer human being the other side of that. I, um, I remember when Lynn and I were in our, in our first church in Ipswich, I had a young man come to me. And he was convinced that he needed deliverance. He said, the thoughts in my head, I'm, it's off the charts. Said, I'm having these crazy thoughts. And, and Pastor Wayne, I, I think I need to get set free. It's demonic. Uh, in the middle of it, I feel God gave me a word of knowledge. I said, can I ask you a question? How much sleep do you get every night? He looked at me, what do you mean? I said, how much do you sleep? Oh, I don't know. Two or three hours? Fairly new Christian. I said, how about we just commit to changing your lifestyle? How about, how about we just, you know, put some boundaries, get some discipline, change what, you know, just a little bit about your diet and, and just your, your activity and just do your best. Somewhere between six, maybe even eight hours a, no- a night. He came back to me about a month later. He'd been delivered. <laughs> He'd been set free. Isn't it amazing? So Elijah has a sandwich, a drink, and a snooze. Now he's ready. Look at verse 11. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain by the presence of the Lord. You know what he's saying to him? We looked at this a few weeks ago with Habakkuk. Go and position yourself. I'm going to speak to you. Go out and stand on the mountain. In the presence of the Lord. This, everything driving in this conversation about prayer and worship and, and attendance, it's, it's about the presence of God. Getting into moments when God will minister to you. The Lord is about to pass by. <laughs> you need music behind this. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. See, a lot of people, I believe in visitations of God. But I also believe in his abiding presence. And I've met a lot of Christians that really, really get caught up in the spectacular and the dramatic. Oh, we love the earthquakes and the wind and fire. It gets dramatic. Read on. Verse 12, after the earthquake, there came a fire. But the Lord was, whoa, not in the fire. Earthquakes, wind, fire. You know what that was? Nature responding to the presence of God. Stuff happens in the presence of God. I know people get all upset about the fact that when people pray, some fall down and some stand up. I said, that's just people responding to his presence and power. I don't really care whether you stand, spin on your head, fall down. I really don't care what I'm interested in. Has God changed your life? Let's not get caught up in the spectacular and the dramatic and the visual. I serve an invisible God and oftentimes what he does is most powerful in the invisible realm. Nature responds, people respond to his presence, but it's not always in the dramatic that you will find him. 
Because after the fire, mm, there came a what? Gentle whisper. And we're about to see that Elijah, who was so used to the dramatic and the spectacular, he was used to that. I'm not sure he was that used to the still small voice, the gentle whisper, because it was the gentle whisper that restored his life. And today we're going to spend the last few minutes learning how to hear the voice of God. Some of you think if we don't have the earthquakes, the wind and the fire, God's not with us. Our meeting wasn't worthwhile having if there's no earthquake, wind and fire. If we didn't hear that audible voice of God like Mufasa from Lion King, Simba. God, come on. It's the whisper. Because look at the whisper. Look what it does to Elijah. He sees mountains splitting, rocks going crazy, fire falling. He's used to that. Not one of those manifestations, not one of those responses of nature caused a response from Elijah. You go, oh, yeah. But you know what did cause the response? The gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and stood by the mouth of the cave. This is amazing. The gentle whisper. And what did God say to this man that was worn out? What are you doing here? <laughs> what are you doing here? Like, can the light, you know, when we get into the, I'm the only one left, we actually expect people to join our pity party? Can I tell you something? There's only room for one at a pity party, so don't send out invitations. God's not even coming to your pity party. What are you doing here? <laughs> and in that moment, God doesn't come and just show him pity. He shows him respect. He shows that I've already got my hand on you, Elijah. And he restores him and he reassigns him. This is pretty cool. He actually says, Elijah, get back on the job. Go and anoint a king and appoint a prophet. Go Get back onto what you were called to do. Stop checking out. Stop being woe is me and certainly stop isolating yourself. Come out of your cave and stand there and I'm going to visit you and then I'm going to whisper. And the whisper will change your life. Hearing the voice of God, the gentle whisper. Some of us are getting all beat up because no one ever prophesied over us. We've never heard that booming voice of God. No, no, no. Seldom have I either. But I know when he speaks. So how does he speak? What do I need to do? Here, I'm going to give you four things. We're going to go through this and then we're going to pray for each other. First thing we're going to do if we want to hear the voice of God is we need to shut down the other voices and noises. Let me tell you some voices that will speak to you. The voice of disappointment. Disappointment. Can, can I tell you one of the things that disappointment wants you to do? Is repeat and repeat and repeat your disappointment. You know what that'll do? That'll get you all wound up. Just move on. The other voice is the voice of distraction. This is why I'm strongly encouraging you to read a paper Bible. It's not always convenient and we've got 
phones with us and, and other electronic devices, which are handy. But can I tell you something? If you really want to get into the presence of God and just hear him, the problem with electronic things is other things happen on those electronic things. Phone calls happen, text messages. I had one the other day. I was right in the middle of something and then, bing, something came up and it was a massive distraction for me. No one in this room, no one in this room. But you can quickly move from the Bible to social media. No one in this room does that. But we know people that do that. It's a distraction. Turn it on silent. Put it face down and open this. I don't know what you're reading at the moment. I've just finished Hebrews and I'm into James. James is really dealing with me this morning. And he was able to because there was no distraction. Our past is another voice. Our past can scream at it, at us. Shame, regret, unresolved conflict. Can, can I tell you something you need to always be ready to deal with? Unforgiveness. It's a block. If in your prayer life or in your time of waiting on God and reading his word, faces and names come up that, that cause a negative reaction, maybe it's time to let some stuff go and forgive. Wrong teaching. That's a loud voice in some of our ears. Let me give you some. The Holy Spirit's a real and powerful force, the third person of the Trinity, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, as recorded, particularly in the book of Acts in some of Paul's letters, was a powerful thing, but his work ceased the day this canon of Scripture was complete. Wrong teaching. And there are people that can never, ever receive what God has for us as a very special gift because that teaching has so permeated our spirit. Shut it down. Open the word and ask that same Holy Spirit to guide you as you read the word. Second thing you need to do is firstly shut the voices down and then secondly is just position yourself. Prioritize the presence of God and the word of God and give it priority. King David said, early will I seek you. Just before I get busy and active and all the things I've got to do, find time. And if it doesn't work at the start of the day, it's, I don't think it's quite as good, but at the end of the day, just take time to spend with the Lord. Position yourself. Elijah had to go to the mouth of the cave. Habakkuk, we preached about him a few weeks ago. He says in, in chapter 2, I'm going to stand and see what he will say to me. God speaks in pictures. So learn to see with your ears. The key is positioning yourself. King David writes in his psalm, Psalm 46. This is what God says to him. This is, this is the key, I think, of positioning ourselves. Be still. How many find that easy? Lynn, every now and then, sometimes we're out at dinner or something, and she, I just feel her, her just, she puts her hand on my knee because I got so much adrenaline in me at times. She just gently, there, 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 settle down. I, I, it's, not a, it's not easy for me. It's a discipline. But let me tell you, here's the benefit of it. Be still and know that I am God. It's amazing what claims to be God when we're busy. Be still and know that I'm God. I'll be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the, or, in the earth. Third thing, just go to the source. Go, go to the source. The Bible, preaching and teaching of the word of God, prophecy, fellowship, the list goes on. Just go to those. Get yourself in those environments where God will speak to you. And then number four, 
Learn to recognize his voice. Just learn to recognize it. It's really, really, really important because there are counterfeits out there. There are voices that sound similar. Similar but not the same. Almost there but not it. I learned that just a a week or so ago. I went to a shopping centre and I came out. I drive a a white Toyota Prado. And uh, I I came out of the shopping centre and I jumped into a white Toyota Prado that I didn't own. It was two up from mine, unlocked. And I, I opened the door, and you know how you go to get in the car, you put, the, you, you put your left foot in? I, I actually, I did that. And then I looked, and it was obviously owned by a fairly blokey bloke. And I thought, I've got to get out of here because I'm going to die. <laughs> Not smart leaving it unlocked, but I, it, it, was, it looked the same. It seemed the same, and it just wasn't it. I can tell you I may have left that shopping centre at speed. Um, <laughs> some of us, we, we, we think we're hearing the voice of God. We just need to learn. Can, can I tell you about the voice of God? It will never bring condemnation. It'll bring conviction. The Holy Spirit comes to convict us of sin. Why? To beat us up? No, to set us free. He speaks in pictures, he speaks in words and phrases, and and, and it's filled with grace and love and kindness. He's a father, and sometimes as a father, he, he will discipline us, but never to crush us, always to cause us to move on and step into what he has for us. Learn to discern it. For me, one of the absolute wonderful gifts that God has given us, his people, is the power of praying in the Holy Spirit. Paul said, he said, you know, when you pray in the Holy Spirit, pray that you'll also interpret. I've had a number of occasions in my life when literally I'm praying in the Spirit and and literally without even thinking about it, I'm saying something in English. I realize, whoa, I'm now interpreting what I'm saying. The name of this church, Hope Center, with its theme, everything we do is because people matter. We were once upon a time Glad Tidings Tabernacle and then we were Brisbane City Church and went on this journey Then we became multi-site and we couldn't call something in those other cities Brisbane City Church. And and we just knew we needed a name that declared who we were. And we had interest groups come together and we are with collaboration. And you you should have seen the things that people came up with. We could have been the fifth church of the the Royal Pumpkin if some people had that. It It was crazy. And to be honest, it was getting frustrating. We were getting closer to a Vision Sunday. We were going to launch everything. And one day I was over with our friend, Pastor Paul Leong, doing a tour across New Zealand preaching. And I had an afternoon where it was just me and the Bible and the Holy Spirit. And I just praying, just praying over the meeting that I was about to preach out and praying into church life and just praying in the Spirit. And all of a sudden, these words, Hope Center. I picked out my pen, wrote Hope Center. Because people matter picked up the phone, rang some of my senior staff, said, go check it out, see if we can own that name. We got it. And all the efforts and all the straining and striving for others to help and thank God for their willingness, there comes a point in time where you just need to hear from God. 
and it actually undoes all the knots and gets rid of all the complications and all the toil. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Elijah, I can relate to him. There are seasons in my life where I have to admit that I'm an adrenaline junkie. Remember Ryan driving me to the airport one day. And almost with a degree of pride, I said, oh, I've just done this, I've preached there. I'd preached 20 times in six days in three different states and New Zealand. It's like, I get special bonus points in heaven. I remember Ryan, he was a young man at those days. He looked at me and said, Dad, you're, you're an adrenaline junkie. He said, this isn't good. I said, mate, I love it. A few days later, they thought I'd had a stroke. That was kind of the start of a very difficult season. For Lynn and I, we had loss of family. Loss of team who we loved that just didn't feel like they wanted to do the journey with us anymore. It hurt us. Times of intense challenge leading this church and leading our nation. Going through what is probably in Australia the most challenging time for Christian leaders. I have so many of my friends who are afraid of being cancelled, they hide. And I get being kind and I get being wise. But that spirit, fighting it and wrestling it, it's wearying. And I, I've been there and done this. And I can tell you that in the times when your back's to the wall and your tank feels so empty, some of you listening, some of you online, some of you watching this delayed broadcast. Some of you young parents in that parents' lounge right now, feeling just absolutely dead, tired, empty and dry. Can I tell you, from personal experience, I can tell you, nothing compares to hearing the voice of God. Hearing the voice of God.